House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com. Our email address. My name's Kevin. His name's Jason. You can also find us on Twitter at House of Run. On today's show, we're going to recap the World Half Marathon Championships and then answer a variety of emails. I am in Austin, Texas. Jason is in Las Vegas, Nevada. How are you doing this evening, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, other than my body continues to betray me. Uh, I was at a friend's house, and I guess it's... Uh, spring break so his kids were were there as well so we were just like throwing around a frisbee and i was throwing around a frisbee and like i went to just like maybe maybe you know like not even run but like jog to catch one yeah and then i was like oh man that, that's weird i did something with my toe and i go home and i either sprained or broke my toe because it's like all bruised and swollen I light jog frisbee <laughs> yeah at, at bat and a light jog for like five steps mm. so doing well it's a shame that you would injure yourself playing frisbee because that's one of your skills as an athlete. Like you are a very good frisbee thrower. I've seen you do this firsthand a number of times. I, I you know, what? I have some decent frisbee skills. Yeah, my I, all credit goes to my sixth grade PE teacher who was obsessed with ultimate frisbee, and we did that about I don't know eighty percent of our PE classes in in that year. Do you want to give the teacher a shout out? I was just trying to remember his name, and I could not pull it. Mr. Frisbee. He had, a, he had a glass eye, too. It was very distinct, and I should remember his name, but I do not. <laughs> How many other teachers did you have that fit that description? That I don't think up? any that I can think of. You can do, like, the forehand, the backhand. You were doing all over, over the, the place. Over the top, too. The... I always like the over the top. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. all sorts of good ones. Yeah, I mean, as bad as you are at throwing a football, you're just <laughs> as good at throwing a Frisbee. Because uh, Asbel Kiprot Mutai Dababa was chucking the Frisbee around in the backyard the other day. Yeah. But, I mean, he doesn't know how to do it. So, basically, what he was doing was... He was like releasing it on his backswing, so it was going. It was going the opposite direction, and I just thought, when he gets old enough to learn how to do this properly, I cannot teach him to do that. That's something that Uncle Jason's going to have to do. I'm going to have to call in the troops because I don't want him to get like a partial history, right? And a, par- and a partial tutorial. I want the over the top. I want the forehand. I want the through the legs. Oh yeah, that one's good. I want all of it to be part of the curriculum for him yeah and as we know it's like one of the favorite uh you know uh cross-country track team games to to play for 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 teams so it's it's essential by the way we're still getting feedback from or people are still writing in with recommendations for games so if you still have my i believe it was josh who was asking Mm -hmm. for ideas for games to play with his team so we have a lot of coaches that listen so if you are a coach and you have a fun game you want to pass along Send it our way. Let's talk about this World Health Marathon Championship, though, Jason. We got a, a sort of world record. So I know we always err on the side of play the song right? versus not play the song. Women's only world record? Are we, are we, are we digni- at a time that's like two minutes slower? Yeah. The thing is, I feel like if we, we should have one of our female listeners record a woman singing a world record song for this particular... Uh, you know, situation because it just, uh, yeah. I mean, it's 
120 is slower. Times were slow. Um, uh, you know, over like just comparatively, if what we, you know, some of the people in the in the fields and what's happened here in the past, um, you know, 66-11 is still very good, and she won by, you know, 40-something seconds. So all credit should, there. We should say her name because we, we do have access to her name, unlike Jason's ultimate Frisbee teaching. That's true. Uh, I'm going to try to pull it by the end of the episode. <laughs> Netsonette Gudetta. Not, that's not Jason's teacher. That was the woman from Ethiopia. Actually, maybe one, it was. 106.11. And on these results, it says WR, and then that's all caps, and then lowercase WO. So 66.11. That would place her, well, that's tied for 27th fastest time, mm. all time. And, and the reason is, it's not that these races like, give a huge advantage. Versus, it's just there's not that many single gendered exactly half marathons. It's not like marathons. Yeah, it'd be one thing if there was, if you know, ninety plus percent of these were women's only races, and mm-hmm. just the you know there was like two or three outlier crazy performances from like mm-hmm. the times they actually you know run with the men. But it's like no, that's the standard. So it, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's hey, you, you'd be happy with a world record. I do like that this is a world record though, and not a world best. Because I get confused of when things should be called certain things. And I'm like, oh, well, this would make sense as a world's best. Because it's like the best time ever run by like, a woman it, in a woman's only race. Yeah, because it's just it's world record just doesn't sound right. But no, nope, I mean, there it is, WR. And uh, that's fine. But yeah, when you're, when you're two minutes off, like... 120, 120. 120, I don't, okay. I'm, I don't want to put her too far back. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot. Second place, Jocelyn Jepkoski, who is the owner of the actual world record, 64-51. Yes. So a bit of an upset there. So Ethiopia goes one. Kenya goes two and three. Now, last week on the show, we talked about how Kenya did not enter reserves in this race, and they had two late scratches, so they only had three entrants. That's true, and, and it didn't come back to bite them, Kevin. They <laughs> won first place, as we all expected. Jason said this would not hurt them at all. Well, it might have, because there's no way to know for sure, but they went two, three, and then 13 was their next best. And yeah. this was done. They said they were going to score this based on places for points. But when I look at the team results, I just see a total time. Is that what you see too on here? Yeah. Well, they ended up losing to Ethiopia by 35 seconds. Uh, Ethiopia went one. And then they had, their next two finishers were five and six. So basically... You know, they would have had to, Kenya to win this thing would have had to put somebody in that in that range, which, you know, judging by how deep Kenya typically is, that would not have been, you know, they could have had someone run basically 108 and yeah. they still would have they, they still would have won the thing. Ruth, Ruth Chepnegic was their third runner and she ran 109.12. So always enter the alternates. This is good life advice. Apply it to whatever profession or class you're taking, kids as well as adults. Always enter alternates because this is what happens. Um, U.S. went, well, they didn't have a finisher until 27th with Emma Bates. Um, thoughts on this race or do you want to just talk about Jeffrey Kenmore? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, it was a little surprising, obviously, Uh 60s, even though you know with the with the women's only, I, I still would have expected faster than 66.11. But when, you know, on the men's side, they didn't break 60 either. So, 
uh, overall, slightly you know slower times than you'd expect. Uh, still really impressed from from Gudetta, uh, you know whether it's uh, women's only world record, whatever it is. She beat um, you know Jipkoski by forty seconds. She yeah. won this race filled with good good marathoners. That's uh, yeah, that's enough to get uh, you know get excited about uh, watching her in the future. Yeah, she dropped out of Dubai earlier this year, so I I don't know if anybody saw this performance coming, but she's the world half marathon champion. For the men, I thought Kenya would roll in this one too. They did not. Jeffrey Camora did roll, and the U.S. struggled again. So no U.S. medal in the team competition. They're still medalless in now 16 runnings of the World Half Marathon Championship. It's the greatest route in sports. Let's just be it's... honest, folks. It is the greatest route in sports. Yeah, this was yeah, you're right. I mean, Kenya seemed to be the obvious huge favorite, but I mean, you know, you got one and then 12, 15 uh, mm-hmm. or whatever those times add up to be, but Ethiopia, you know, finished 4, 5, 6. Um mm-hmm. it's pretty easy easy there. I mean, Bahrain got 3 in before Kenya did. Um That's true, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was yeah, obviously just kind of surprising there. I mean, Cam Moore did basically what you'd expect Cam War to do, um, like you said, Wendy, he had that crazy, um, what, 13 minute, uh, 1301, 1301 yeah. from 15 to 20 K. Yeah. Which is, I mean, they you know, said it was downwind and whatnot, but regardless, if you do that, um, in any race, that's not a 5k, that's pretty, pretty impressive. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> impressive in a 5k, but he like anything longer than that. You're, you're, you're doing pretty good. He would have won most of the diamond leagues last year. Yes. That's true. With that, that time. Abraham Cherubin of Bahrain was second. Um, and then, you, yeah, you mentioned uh, Ethiopia, 4-5-6 with Yamer, Mola, and Gedehoun. Julian Wanders, who ran a really fast half marathon, set the European U23 World Best Record Time Championship. Earlier this year, he ran 101-03. Uh, he finished eighth. U.S., so Leonard Kerr dropped out for the U.S. Chalanga finished 14th with a 101-23. And then their next... Man, it was Lagat with 102.16. And then Estrada was farther back with like a 103.59. He finished 69th. So U.S. was out of the medals. Bummed to see career DNF here because he's, you know, him and Rupp are two guys who can, who can I don't think, I mean, they can't challenge Cam Orr, but top 10, like legitimate top 10 potential. So it would have been fun to see him. In this race, we wouldn't get to see Rupp, obviously, but seeing career up, mix it up there would have been cool. I'm not sure what was the what was the issue there. I yeah, I not finish. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't think they would have just because the you know Kenya, Ethiopia, Bahrain like did all ran pretty well. It would have been hard to to get on the podium regardless, but it certainly would have made them more competitive. Um, I was just looking at this. I mean, if 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 they did it by you know places. Uh, mm-hmm. Points wise, Bahrain would have beat Kenya for for second, but oh, really? the times it's the other way around. So interesting. Well, yeah, Cam War gave him a nice cushion there, right with the twenty second. Yeah, I mean, and that's basically what they ended up winning by. Mm. What 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 are the numbers? What were the scores? Uh, well, because if you got, uh, I mean, Kenya went one twelve fifteen, right? So that's uh twenty eight. And then you got Bahrain with two, eleven, thirteen. Uh, so that's twenty six. Twenty six. So, and what was Ethiopia? 
Uh, Ethiopia went four, five, six, so they went fifteen. Oh, they fifteen them. Yeah, exactly. That's what we all. It's exactly what you think it is. Fifteen the old-fashioned <laughs> way, like the three-pointer. Uh, well, that's interesting. So yeah, because I, I mean, I guess I would have thought, yeah, that that was the way they were doing it. But I mean, that's yeah. they said that, yeah, that's what they said they were going to do. Uh, as long as the tiebreaker wasn't. Well, let's uh, see. So they went head to head, and let's see. So Kim, Kenya won the one, but then, but yeah, you know, Bahrain did win the two and three matchups. So it's whoever it wins out the this most. Time. Yeah, whoever wins the most individual matchups. It's whoever has the split that closest to thirteen minutes in a five k. Yes, that win. should be the ultimate tiebreaker. So now Kim Moore has won three World Half Marathon Championships in a row: 2014, 2016, 2018. In, in between those. He's won world cross-country titles in 2015 and then 2017. He has the New York City Championship. It's, I mean, he's a different runner than Elliot Kipchoge, certainly. Yes. But his, his performances have been really, like, you want to figure out, like, a, a perfect distance to match those two up because... We can't go back in time and like reset them against each other, but I feel like we have two re- like two exceptionally like not once in a generation, but rare talents. Well, Kipchoge is once a generation, but we have two like rare talents competing at the same time, but they're not really competing at the same time, and, and they're both distance runners. Yeah, and they're both they both run marathons, they both run shorter things, but it doesn't feel like they're ever really gonna match up in a head in a head like in a way that's gonna be fulfilling. Or my overrate and I, I feel like I'm, it's hard to overrate Cam Moore just looking at his track record. Yeah, it's I still I feel like you yeah, maybe overrating him a little bit. I mean he's obviously he's unbelievable. Well I'm not saying um, he's Kipchoge. I'm just saying he's Yeah, because Kipchoge is that like I, I believe he's you know the greatest marathoner of all time. And the marathon gets the absolute no one's skipping the marathon to run the distance above or below it. Um, okay. He, you know, Kim, uh, Kim War, hey, you can only race against who is actually there. Yeah. Uh, and he, I believe he is one of the best half marathoners in the world. If not the, like he's, he's on that very, very, very short list of guys who are the best half marathoners in the world. Uh, but, and cross country, uh, I mean, that's an even more kind of, parsed out group who decides to run cross country so it's it's mm-hmm. it's still impressive unquestionably but it's just two lesser run events so it really doesn't quite give you the same i i agree with that i'm just with camora what you have is he's just winning a lot in the, in these events mm-hmm. and the competition you're right i mean isn't necessarily always the best in this but it's still pretty dang good and some of the major marathon competition that Kipchoge's face, like th- those fields sometimes aren't necessarily as deep. London Marathon, exception, obviously, greatest yeah. race of all time in history. <laughs> but there are, but there are situations where it's like, okay, you go into the New York City Marathon or you go into like Berlin, you're like, okay, there's three people here who could beat him. Or there's, you know, that, that are even in, in the range. There were, f- the other guys on Cam Warrior's team, like some of them had better personal bests than him in, in a half. Right. I, he just, shows up and and is pretty clutch in these races con- continuously. And I think there's something to be said for that. And with the same way with Kipchoge, like they just both win a ton. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and I mean, it could, I mean, they've both had some success on the the track as well. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I, yeah, I put Kip Choke in a different category, but I, I don't. I think you're basically saying the same thing. Well, it's like if they ran a cross country race right now, who do you think would win? Like if they ran like a 10k cross country race, it's Kim War, right? Like, but they're just in, in different. They're in different things, but you could say. Kim, uh, Kipchoge is better at his best thing than, uh, sorry, Kipchoge is better at his best thing than Kim War is, right? Yeah, I mean, Kipchoge used to be a pretty ridiculous, like, 5K runner. Right, yes, yes, I mean, yes, yes. So but I mean, right now, right, right now, they're still, like, both really, really good, though. Yeah, and Kipchoge would probably be pretty good in the half marathon. What would what would the like dream? If, they, if he was lining up in the, in the half marathon against, I would take Kipchoge unquestionably. Oh, so you'd go that far down in distance? Interesting. Yeah, I, I, half marathon, I will still give it to Kipchoge because he is. Yeah, I, I mean, and maybe that's maybe that's foolish. Maybe maybe that wouldn't you know I shouldn't be as confident as I am. But uh, you know, obviously below that would start get uh, obviously even favoring him more that much more. But yeah, he I mean he consistently runs. You know, two hundred three, two hundred four, two hundred five. Like, I mean, two hundred four yeah, is yeah. the slowest he runs, basically. Um, so I just, I, I think he could, you know, pump out fifty nines pretty easily. So what? So if you could, if you could see the matchup, like right now, twenty eighteen hmm. matchup, where would it be? What distance? I think it has to be the half, right? I mean, because the marathons, that's not fair. Um, I mean, I'd be interested what, you know, I guess how much lower you could go, but I, I don't think you could go above anything ab- above the half. I'm just even that much more confident in Kipchoge. Interesting. Yeah, I would say, I, I would take, I disagree with you, I would take Cam Moore in the half, so I'd have to bump it up a little bit. But yeah, big, big favorite. Well, not big favorite, because it's a marathon, but Kipchoge would be a sizable favorite in the marathon. So I'd probably like split the difference. Classic thirty k battle. <laughs> yeah, it's just he's, he, and I think I don't think you understood when you said big favorite in the marathon. Like you, you can say, well, it's the marathon. That doesn't apply to Kipchoge. Like it applies to everybody else, but he doesn't lose ever. Right. He got close though with the Dola. It's true, but that's kind of that's the best thing you can say about him is that he kind of almost got <laughs> lost yeah. and he ran two hundred three thirty. Like that's yeah. really kind of. Picking nits a little bit. Yeah. Picking nits. Yeah. Is that an old fashioned saying? I think so. I don't know. Or it's an helpinism. I've heard of nit picking. Yeah, but it, picking nits, I've heard it said that way before. I like it. I like it. Very, very good. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. I, I, I say things wrong literally every episode. So. <laughs> One last thing before we move on, Jason. What's it going to take for the U.S. to get on the podium? I really want this team medal for the United States. I don't know why I'm so into this team medal. Of all the medals. The half marathon team medal? I just uh, want some validation here that the United States is a great half marathon in country. Uh, well, first of all, we're not, is I think the biggest issue with that. Um, but if you really want it, uh, the other countries have to not necessarily send their best, which they don't really do, and then the U.S. has to absolutely send their best. Or, on the women's side, we send our best, and then we have a decent shot. Okay. That doesn't seem I mean, that hard to do. Yeah, the women's side, I mean, if you send, you know, Huddle and Flanagan and Hesse and whoever, like, I mean, that, that right there, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, the U.S., like, they could get on the podium. That wouldn't be crazy. Not at all. We recorded last week before Hesse dropped out. We didn't mention that. That's true. Yeah. 
had a tight planter. So she opted to not run the race, to not risk injury. I th- where do you think she would have fit in here? We're looking at those those women res- women's results and keeping in mind the weather and all the other yeah, obstacles good, out there in the course. Where would you have put Hesse? It's a good question. I mean, she's yeah. I would expect her to run well. Um, let's see. So we got one hundred six eleven, one hundred six sixty four. Um, I don't think she would have finished lower than fifth and had a chance to do a little better than that. But there's a gap of one hundred seven seventeen to one hundred eight oh seven between fourth and fifth. I feel pretty good that she could have run under 68. Under 68. Okay. So close to a PR. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that's, you know, with the weather, maybe I'm overselling it a little bit, but she would have been kind of surrounded. There would have been a bunch of runners to run with. Yeah. I think she could have gotten relatively close to a PR, maybe not PR, but like getting in that range. Do you know what's wild here? I'm looking at the results Hmm. and obviously first place set a PR because she said a women's only, well, she said a women's only PR. Yes. But um, third, considering that even though the conditions were not quick, uh, third place got a PR. Oh, yeah. Fifth place, sixth place, seventh place, eighth place, ninth place, tenth place, eleventh place, twelfth place. Wow. All got personal bests. Yeah, that's... I don't know if they just had never really run (laughs) marathons before or what was going on. Because all you know, we didn't have that experience in the in the. Let me look at the men's side, actually. But I mean, so you were. I don't think it would be too crazy for you to say, yeah, Hase could have run near that time if all those other women were doing it. Yeah, and I mean, she's still. It's not like you know, Hase has gone out and run like ten half marathons. Like, it, right? It, you know, she hasn't been like. We we don't know exactly what her her like peak is in that. So I think she could get in, like I said, at least in the range of her PR. Maybe maybe she could PR. I. Uh, who knows but um you know she's not winning the race uh, i'm not willing to put her ahead of cost guy right but you know falling in that three four five range seems seems realistic to me only five men in the top 20 had prs that sounds a little more right because obviously you're always gonna have some well also that's one last thing aaron he, he uh, went out to us on twitter is if cam war is the goat of the half marathon now, I have mm-hmm. Tedesse still as the go to the half marathon, but what, okay. what do you think? Is Cam Ward the go to the half marathon? Yeah. I mean, based on titles, it depends how much like stock you want to put into world half marathon championships. Yeah, which Tedesse has five golds and a silver. Yeah. And the world record. It's got to be him then, right? Yeah, I mean, that was, he's still... Now that, that like I said, Cam Ward's had a better they, career. But. Well, but they did it every year. Like, so he, Tedesse won 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. So yeah. they don't run them every year now. I think it's fair to say if they had run them every year, Cam Moore would have more, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he'd have more than he has now for sure. Like, I mean, more than he Tedesse won f- would be, yeah. Because he could have gone 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and this would be, this would be his fifth, and he potentially could have even done um, more. But yeah. You're right. He hasn't broken his world record yet, too. I mean, that's well, yeah. And Tedesse has the top two times ever. Yeah, Cam War's best time here. What is it? Fifteenth uh, all time. So fifty-eight, fifty-four. So he's still more than thirty seconds back. Okay, I'm with you. The more the more research I put into this, I'm more confident in saying yeah. Tedesse is still the goat, but it's okay for Jeffrey Cam War because. 
Tedesco is the goat, but he was like literally only good at that. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is which is a bummer to. I mean, hey, you, best in the He's world. He's good at the ten k too. That's amazing, but, and okay. he like legit. You know, like even if you had the best guys ever doing it, like who knows if someone's you know more impressive at that distance than he's been. Um, but yeah, it's I, really just a bad bad event to be great at. I'd rather have Cam Moore's career. Thousand percent. Yeah, I mean he's got the New York City title, got the Olympic silver, but one of them was in breaking two, and <laughs> pretty well ran a PR two oh seven or whatever on a on an F one course. I guess that's the the better question with Kipchoge v Cam Moore is what would Cam Moore have done in breaking two? Mm, I'm intrigued. I think he would have done. Just barely better than Tedesse. Tedesse has an Olympic bronze in the 10,000 from 04 and then a world championship silver. Cam Moore has a world championship silver from Beijing, but he also has New York City Marathon Championship. And he's, how old is he? Born in 92, listed in 92, so he's still got well, yeah. plenty, plenty of years in front of him. Um, yeah, and the thing about, you know, that's an inflated... That's an inflated medal total with the world. I mean, not an inflated. He won those races. Did I say won those races? But it's not an apples to apples comparison. No, but he he still he was completely dominant from 06 to twenty twelve, basically in that event, which is you know a, obviously a good amount of time. And uh, yeah, that's a great run. I mean, he and he ran those times, those fifty eight twenties. Yeah, it's crazy. Those I mean, out of the fifty eight twenty and then the and then the fifty eight. 30 uh, I mean those were out of this world times you know Wanjiro had the record 5833 and then Tedesse like lopped <laughs> 10 seconds off of it at that pace is quite a bit and he has that he will always have that 2637 in the 10k too yeah he's like 10,000 wow. yeah like if there was a so it was a like a he'd be awesome in like a fifteen k too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, unfortunately, the twenty k, all that stuff would be right in his wheelhouse. Unfortunately, it that doesn't really. That's probably less relevant than. Yeah, it's just it's kind of bad luck to be really really great. I mean, at just you know, it's like I mean, we'd still we would all take that. Um, you know, yeah. monkey's paw wish or whatever, be the best in the world at a, at a track and field event. And mm-hmm. it turns out to be the half marathon, but yeah, still sign me up for that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We've explained the battle between Cam War and Kipchoge and Tedesse and Cam War. <laughs> he's one and one. Everybody was asking. He was well, one and one in those hypothetical battles. Actually, no, he's oh and two. Never mind. Just when yeah. you think you had a good weekend, you come <laughs> up, you get discussed on the House of Run, and it turns out you're really not that great. And and we also got to the bottom of the the U.S. troubles update this week on the the Hayward Field renovations. Yeah, Jason, still tell not, me there's more talk that I don't understand. No, this is well. No, that was the that was the Mount Sack renovations. This oh, has right. less to do with grading zoning and, codes and-, and permit yeah do you like permits well then you're gonna love this podcast now this comes uh this is comes pretty straightforward here yeah tinker hatfield the famous nike shoe designer 
design Jordans, etc. You might have heard of those. He was the original designer of the, the project, the one that we all saw images of, to where they were going to keep, you know, the general vibe of the East Grandstand. Like, it was going to stay the way it was. To, and then mo most of the changes that they were going to put in place were going to be to the to the west side. Uh, that is no longer the plan, officially. There's a mm. good article in the Oregonian by Ken Go about this. Um, so he's not involved in the project anymore. And the new project has a lot more dramatic alterations to the grandstands. So essentially, like, the east and west grandstands would be... I don't know if they're unrecognizable, right? Would be it, but but they would tra change drastically, which we talked about before. I think that's uh, not a great move unless you're doing it for safety reasons. Like unless you know you've had the you you, you looked at those permits and you looked at the grading and the the East Grandstand just isn't sustainable. I think making huge changes to have one meet is going to be tough. So. Um, well, let me let me read this section here real quick. Yeah. Uh, Hatfield's design would have completely replaced the west side. It would have upgraded structural defects on the old stadium's east side while, as much as possible, recapturing its appearance. It would have been constructed of wood and retained the east grandstand's proximity to the action. And that's the key part there, the proximity to the action, right? Yeah. Um, the new plan shown at the Portland meeting was a two-deck horseshoe-style stadium bearing no resemblance to either side of the current stadium. Hmm. Yeah, I So I mean I'm I would consider myself more on the side of like I mean Wrigley Field's my favorite place, right? So obviously see similarities between those kind of things. Like I don't want wouldn't want them to tear down Wrigley and replace it with a state of the art stadium, but they've made four decks Wrigley. Right. Well, they've you know, they've made adjustments over the past few years. They've added video boards and different stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm actually I'm totally fine with that because they've kept like the essence mm -hmm. of Wrigley there and adding to it. And like, I, I get like, you have to somewhat keep up, you know, with the times and I mean, Wrigley didn't have lights until 1988. Like, yeah. So, but I, I so I, I mean, I just don't see, like you said, safety reasons, you know, get the, the East side up to code mm -hmm. as much as you can for sure. Obviously do that stuff and then just leave it, like build whatever else you want, like tear down the West grandstand. If you have to, that's fine. Like, I mean, you 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 actually went to the school, so you, I mean, you probably have more opinions on this than I do. But I don't see why you can't leave it like that. Install the new stuff, what you you know, whatever seats you want, and you can still give it kind of like a classic look and yeah. feel. Like it doesn't have to look space aged. Like you can still like have like the same paint and the same like kind of aesthetics and feel, and leave the East Grandstand there where it is. And I think that gives it that adds to it that much more to me. Yeah, I agree. I want to see, I want to see the plan, like what the actual mock-up of it for sure. But I also cringe at any mention of yeah, and they're just gonna take away these grandstand. It's not, right. it's not gonna it's not gonna resemble anything of what it's seen because we talked about this before when this first came up as a discussion point. You know, the thing that makes it what it is is the history, mm -hmm. and you, you take that away. And you're just, you have eight lanes right? And, and two stands. And a lot of places have eight lanes and two stands. So you, you start messing with that, you get into tough territory. And especially because 
as also mentioned before. But this is really for a podcast for people who didn't listen to three podcasts ago. <laughs> you're, you're doing this all, like the impetus for all this is to meet an artificial standard dictated by an outside governing body the re- for no reason other than it was a number that was selected and it was requirements that were put in place. Mm-hmm. Again, if it's safety or if it's there's some other, if the U of O team says, hey, man, this is just untenable and we are the main client, right? We're the main people who are using this facility and it's just not working anymore in 2018. That's one thing. But if the whole genesis of this is to get up to, be able to get up to a 30,000 seat stadium and provide all these modern amenities that are going to be used for two weeks in 2021. Yeah. And you're going to give all that up. I don't know. It doesn't. And then, it, have, and then what? You know, thousands, tens of thousands of empty seats during regular meets. Well, it'll go up to. So if they. Didn't they say that the temporary or the permit seating will go from like 8 to 12, basically? Yeah. Oh, is that. Okay. That's, yeah, that seems fine. Well. So it says the IWF mandates uh, seating capacity of 30,000. Yeah. The new design calls for about 12,000 permanent seats. Hayward's current seating capacity is listed at 10,500, but a recent hand count by the Oregonian revealed there are actually about 8,500 permanent seats, which I believe that's, I believe the 8,500 for sure. Well, um, yeah. And wouldn't you have loved to be that guy who had that job? Oh. Just, okay. Hello. So you're going you're going to Hayward and uh, yeah, interns over here. Um <laughs> So, Go so, to the seat, and then you guys are going to all take turns sitting down and then count it off. Yeah. Have that's right. You can't just uh, – well, I, there's some numbers on them somewhere. <laughs> so it would go up – yeah, it would go up by 3,500. Right, which that's – and that's actually not bad. I mean, you could still – That's 3,500 3, more empty seats. And if you're moving people back from the track in order to fit, fit that, right, then you're losing both – the the ability for people to get in close and for the the sound to stay in right and the, right. the, the intimacy goes away as well too so we can talk all you want about temporary stuff but the fact is they're adding a good percentage of permanent seats that are going to be unfilled the rest of the time because right now it's rarely filled for for home meets you know pre it's going to be filled yeah. Olympic trials is going to be filled. But you're going to have a lot of meets where there's not anybody there. And you might even have a situation where pre is not filled. Maybe they'll put in fewer temporary seats so they can fill in their, their grandstands first. But you're going to have a lot of time, uh, a lot of situations rather, where you're not going to have the stadium full. And you're all, and so it's not just like oh the quality of the in stadium experience is going down. It's with the the noise. It's also the you're giving up the that connection to the history. So I'm against it. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's yeah, and I'm sure there you know there's some people who I don't know maybe exist outside of meshes boards, but like where they just go you know who cares like. You gotta tear down old crap. Get it'll be better, and mm-hmm. okay, in some ways it probably will be. But yeah, I'll I'll probably always be a sucker. There there are certain you know things that are just have that history tied to it. Um, that's just yeah, really hard for me to kind of get behind. I agree, and the 
the connection to the past is, I think, a powerful way to bring people, like, to bring new people in, which is weird for something, for something, yeah, for something old to be the reason why young people are interested in it. But it is true with Hayward. That's, that's part of it. It's not, oh, cool. There's a video board on my, my, (laughs) on the back of my bleacher seat. Like, that's not really what they're into. Like, the cool part about it is the lore. Oh, I mean, Wrigley and Fenway. I mean, both of those, they're the two really old stadiums left in yeah. baseball. And they're probably like the two most beloved stadiums in baseball. I mean, and there, there are some of the new ones, you know, that are fantastic and people love them and they're, they build some really cool, nice stuff. But like, I don't know, for me, I'll, I'll take, I'll take the old ones, you know, and people will be like, oh, well, the microbrew selection is not as good. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's not why I'm, why I'm here. You're not there to get a nice hoppy. You know, I, and hey, and I, I like, I like beer. I like a good microbrew, but uh, yeah, like that's just not the most relevant thing to me. Tear down <laughs> the all the bleachers in the left field and put an Incasi up there. <laughs> Pipe it down to me on the third baseline. Should we go to email? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, not a lot of news this week. Not a lot of news. Not a lot of news. We should mention this week coming up. Texas Relays, I'll be at that. And then the Stanford Invite, which is going to be live on FlowTrack. People can watch that, which will have a, a number of cool races. Justin Knight's racing Gwen Jorgensen, Olympic gold medalist in the triathlon, will be running in the 10,000. And Kirsten Schweizer, the NCAA champion, two-time champion indoors, former cross-country champion, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be facing off. So it's kind of cool. You have to see like an Olympic triathlete race an NCAA champion. Olympic, yeah. Olympic champion triathlete, not just an Olympic triathlete. Right. Only in track and field do we get those sort of weird crossovers. It's a lot of fun. Um, but let's go to email. We have a couple here. Yeah. That I want to get to. Let's go to A.A. Ron first because you mentioned him in the half marathon recap section. He says, House, simple question to you and all listeners. We are trying to put the final touches on our home course for cross country this fall, can a quote elite end quote high school course have three loops or laps for a 5k or would having that many loops make it too tedious on a scale of one to 10? How much should I try and avoid this? We are hosting decent sized meets like our league and or region there too. AA run out PS. Good luck to all the high school track coaches who start their season this week. Hmm. Do you have thoughts on this Jason? This is a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it depends on what kind of room you're given. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would say try to avoid it if you can. I think two loops you can get away with. I mean, perfect world, you don't have loops. Like, that's if, if you have the options, if you have the space, I'd mm-hmm. say that to me is, is the ideal situation. But I understand that's sometimes not feasible. Uh, two loops, I, I think, is fine. Uh, three, three loops isn't like a travesty, but I think, yeah, it can get a little a little tedious it could be a little much um so on a scale of one to ten how much you try to avoid it uh six and a half seven instead of calling it tedious call it spectator friendly that is true and you spin it that way (laughs) depends what the purpose of the course is is it is it for the athletes or is it for the spectators that's a good point and you can make an argument for both of those because if it's for the spectators three times they're going to love that going around especially because you could cut probably cut across the middle so you could see them multiple times as opposed to just one loop but 
I've never met a single runner who would rather do three loops as opposed to one big one. Right. In general, the fewer loops, the better. Um, I was a runner who liked a lot of checkpoints when I was racing. That's why I did better in track, just because I liked getting my splits and stuff. But even yeah. even I didn't like that, like for in cross country. Like I did not like situations. And it happened a lot when I got to college because you're running 8Ks. There's a lot of just here's a 2K loop, do it, the men do it four times the women do it three times it was just real cut and dry pretty simple right and in high school we saw more of well we saw a mixture we saw a lot of like random like you were probably looping but you also were crossing over six different times and doubling back and doing a lot of weird things and there were a lot of just like boxes right run this box twice right yeah, Go it was out the gate and it wasn't really cross country either because it was in las vegas on like cement yeah, but, there were some. There was a few good ones, but most most of them were were bad. What is your rate as like a cross country? As my son makes his probably ninth appearance on the show this <laughs> week, what is your rate for being a cross country course consultant? Like, how much would Aaron have to pay you to, to like fly out? Like, if he covered your airfare out there, how much mm. would he need to pay you to give your blessing to the course? I mean, that's enough right there. I didn't even need. Okay. To, I didn't even need a per diem. Um, you should have yeah, fly just, out there. Just get me out there. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's, it's not you know, and there, the, I mean if you want to go like you said, the benefits of of the loops, you have the spectators for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the only benefit as a runner is having a very good idea how how much you've gone in, how much you have left yeah. when you yeah. make your moves. Like it, it does add that element more to the race, which you could say, hey, that belongs in track. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, but it, you know, there's there's that argument. You know um, what? You know, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just I'm just kind of rambling. Well, no, that brings up a good point. If he's racing at home, mm. he wants yeah. the advantage here, right? That's a good point. So wouldn't you only want to do one big loop to avoid the other teams having that much familiarity? Ooh, and this mark the course. That's <laughs> really is the key. I was making a serious point here, Jason. Sorry. No, you're I, right, though. I think there's just some strategic advantage there because they're going to know the ins and outs if it's just one big loop. The other teams are going to be a little more in the dark. But if you do multiple small loops, then they're going to pick up on it pretty easily mm. I, I see some advantage to be gained there i like the idea of you being a course consultant like when jack nicholas puts his name on golf courses what does that mean yeah like, i mean jack i guess nicholas he, he designs Sorry, not jack nicholas wait I yeah jack all, nicholas you were right i get him i get him confused all the time one of them's at <laughs> I, laker games occasionally i do get yeah. i get confused as well you just they're too similar um yeah i mean that means he designs it yeah i don't know like if he like how i always wondered that how much actually goes into him designing the course or is he like yeah you know like he just kind of does that okay maybe you know, put this put a bunker here do this here instead of like literally laying out like every hole and exactly what it should yeah what it should be i'm guessing it's not that but yeah the the the, the cross country course consultant that's something some you, of the sentence right there you could get uh, behind that i i have this mental image right big. I have this mental image. You walk off, like you get in a helicopter, because obviously you land via helicopter. Gotta. And 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 you land in Kansas, wherever Aaron's course is, and they shake your hand and they start to talk to you, but like as they're talking to you, you kinda walk away from them in the <laughs> helicopter and just look out on the course. As I'm like taking off some like aviator sunglasses. And yeah, really, and you're like yeah. putting your hands up, you're like doing some sort of like calculations and stuff with your hands. Yep. Oh, and I then, can picture this movie scene. Completely. Right. And then you turn back to Aaron and so you say something's not right. 
And then you just you turn around and you're just looking, staring at the ground. And then you like pick up one rock and move it eight inches, and you're like, it's ready. <laughs> I can get behind this. And this you is, fly I can start off. the screenplay tomorrow. And then you fly off in your helicopter. Guys, at jhoppin23. <laughs> He's available. Take pictures of your course and send them to Jason for next right, year. Please, yeah. Cross country course consultant. Also, I like it. Shout out to Aaron. It's March and he's getting ready for cross country. Yeah, absolutely. That you don't win coach of the year yeah. for nothing. You know that that, that, is, that holds strong. That is true. Okay, Brian, the emailer formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania, writes in. Drink. Hey guys, wow, Jeffrey Camore, total domination. I haven't read anything that suggests that the course was measured incorrectly. His thirteen oh one five k split at the end of the race is mind-boggling. Cam Moore is one of my favorite runners to watch right now. He's never afraid to throw down, which is also why I like watching Molly Huddle and Slane Flanagan race. I think that Cam Moore will get the half-marathon world record in the next few years. Uh, the world half-champs and the world cross-champs should be held every year. I agree with that. Yep. Either that or they should make those two events part of the IWF World Championships, put them towards the end of the championship so that guys like Cam Moore can double up in events. With Mo Farah moving up to the roads, I'd love to see Cam Moore get a gold on the track in the 10K. Now, for something completely different, shout out to those who get the reference. Do you get the reference? Now, for something completely different, I don't think I do. It's it's like it sounds like something I have heard or should know, but I I don't know. On last week's pod, Kevin used the word PB. I usually hear Americans use PR, and everybody else uses PB. Where do you guys stand on PR versus PB? Similarly, Americans will say workout, and everybody else will say session. In regards to training, regards that is Brian, the emailer from me from Rally now from pennsylvania i say pr when i'm thinking or when i'm not thinking and i say pb when i want to sound smart that's the difference yeah i had only said pr like my most of my life almost my entire life and Mm -hmm. then i think a little bit after doing this podcast i i I still i would say say pr the vast majority of the time uh but just in you know seeing pb uh on you know results and everything like that like it does it kind of slips in every once in a while, but I, I, yeah, I was always, I think the first time I saw PB, I did not know what it stood for, which is really stupid because it's really obvious, but I was just like trying to figure out because I didn't think it was the same thing as a PR. I thought, well, this has to be something else. What does this mean? Personal record is a little grandiose. It is, but I don't like best because I'm in a war against world bests. So I can't like personal bests either. Right. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, personal record is kind of grandiose, but you know what? Good. You just ran the best time of your entire life. It yeah. should be a little like a little, you know. Yeah. It's well earned. It's well earned, top. right? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I I so I'm not against PB, but I I kind of like PR better. And now for something completely different is Monty Python. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I hear that's coming to Netflix. I need to. I, I've I've watched pieces over the years, but never really really dove in. There you go. Oh, it's a. Oh, sorry. And now for something completely different is a British sketch comedy film based on Monty Python. There we oh, go. Oh, okay. You can watch it. Or you it's know, a, I love the. I, I love British TV, so I'm in. You don't have to convince Jason. All right. Next up is. Let's go to Ryan. Yeah. From Wisconsin. Says, I'm a new listener to the podcast and related to the world record versus gold medal question. As a high schooler, would you rather set a school record or be state champ? I'm imagining this depends on the school and state. A high school teammate of mine was a 410 to 415, 1600 
and a 910-913-3200 meter runner. He won state in the 1600 his senior year, but didn't break the school record. He broke the 3200 school record three to four times his junior and senior year, but probably finished third to sixth place in each of those races, and the last time he set the school record wasn't even at the state meet. I think in the moment, winning state would be much better, as A, you cross the line first, B, it's the last race of the season, what's better than going out on top? I think this would be much more satisfying than coming in fifth in a mid-season meet. Long term, though, you get way more acknowledgement being a school record holder. Kids will walk past the record board on their way to track practice for likely decades, thinking the guy who ran 9-10 is superhuman. Especially as most years, the best varsity guy is over a minute slower. What are your thoughts? That is Ryan in Wisconsin. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about it in the context of high school. Obviously, I have a lot more. I'm way. It's easier for me to relate to this than the other questions. Um, I had a school record. Me too. It was much, much, much. Well, it was much, much, much slower than this. Yeah, me too. I don't even know how long it lasted. Both of ours were gone within like three or four years. I know that. Yours was the four byte? No, that's 1600. Oh, I thought Casey had that. Oh, you're right. No, I beat him in... Yeah, you're right. He had it. Wow, I totally forgot about that. I did have the 4 by 8 though. You're right. But that was that must have been broken really quickly after that. Well, well, like, the whole, like, staring at the record board is true. So I guess it just depends, like, how strong the record is. And that's where the state thing comes in. You'd rather finish, like, third in California, right, than, like first in nevada because it just means your your time is more than likely a lot better I yeah would think. it's it's funny because i went to a school in california for my first two years of high school and it is a school that had been around for about a hundred years yeah um and their records were exactly what he's saying <laughs> where you yeah. where you see them and you just go holy crap like that's wasn't there amazing. one like from the 1970s or something at your school you said the, uh I mean, the the two mile was in the 850s no, no, I meant like um, when, it, when it was set. No, I know. I, it just, it was, I think the, both the mile and two mile, I think was, I think it was the same guy, but yeah, that was from like the seventies yeah. and it was like 850 something, 855 and low fours. Um, so those were like, holy crap kind of records. Certainly yeah. to, to me at the time, I was just like, those are impossible. Like how did a human do that? Um, yeah, Paula Verde, we, I, I believe we were the fourth graduating class. Um, yes i think that's true so that that kind of is not the same obviously so uh, no. both of us i'm sure would have much rather had a state championship than than the school records at there but uh it's a, it's 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 a that's a good question we would have had both though that's the thing <laughs> oh i mean in so order to win sta- yeah in order to win state you would have had to get the school record i i think there's that power though of, like looking up at that board every day and no one ever asked like, I bet no one asked, hey, did whatever who ran this time in the 70s win state that year? Like, right. They, didn't, right, they didn't care. I, it was kind of assumed, I think. I think times in general just are really powerful when you're in high school. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Okay. So, actually, I was able to find the uh, San Ramon Valley uh, school records. Which is oh, really? Um, and they actually I, – I, so, they had the one board with the records, and then in the gym, they had the top 10 in each event all time. Okay. Which I thought was kind of cool. The men's record was from 1975 for the 2-mile, 3,200 meters. 8.53.09. Who's that? Roy Kisson. Okay. Which is pretty pretty insane. Wait, 8.53? Yeah. 
In 19 win? Uh, 75. Pre-ran, breaking the record by an amazing... 841. 841. In 1968? Something like that. Uh, No, I think later. Wasn't it like... Because in seven in the Munich Olympics, wasn't he a junior at Oregon? Was he? So it might have been sixty. It might have been sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he was like, yeah, in that realm of like, wow, the bet. Yeah. So that's I. It's, I knew so that you, one was the completely when, crazy one. Well, when you saw that as a freshman, and your teammate saw that as a freshman, did you think it was attainable, or was it just? Oh no! No, that, okay. that was one of those that you just go like, who was that guy? Like, is that yeah? Like, was that guy an Olympian? Like, yeah. Did he win state? <laughs> right? I, it's a great question, actually. Um, but these pictures, he looks like Prefontaine, basically, in high school. Right. Um, and apparently he went to Stanford. Okay. Right? That makes He's one of those Stanford cross-country guys. Maybe he ran with Don Cardong. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Too old for Cardong, I think. Yeah, it's a little bit, but yeah. He was next-gen Card. He was 2.0 Cardong. All right, let's go to... Not a great sprinting school, San Ramon, apparently. What's the 100 record? 1074. Hmm. That was from well, holy crap! That was from 1935. What? Bob Frick. 1935. You're in. Okay, so 1074, 1935 was really good then. That's pretty. Just the fact that no one's been that good since then is kind of crazy. That's cinders, man. Wow. That's long. That's long spikes and cinders. Man, that's okay. Sorry, what's, sorry for the divulgence into my past what, here. What, what's the hold on? Well, what's the eight hundred record? Eight hundred is Kevin Griffin one fifty one. And the and you said the sixteen hundred was what? Uh, it's a little slower than that. That was four thirteen. Oh, that was done twenty sixteen. Oh, so, so someone just broke it. But before that, was it Kissin? Kissin had four fifteen. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, our records. I don't even know if our records, our Palavari's records, even up on the internet. That's a great question, but yeah, we there. I know there was one kid who actually was like fairly fast a few years after us. Um, yeah. No, I think it was like two or three years later. It was. It was. I think I. I think I held it for like a, a year, and that might have been it. Yeah. Which is still cool. But yeah, if so, if you said if you changed the question basically to go, hey, do you, would you rather have a state championship? Or be the be your school record holder for twenty five years, mm-hmm. like that. That would be a more like just because it's hard to relate on that level. Like it, I think if you're an all time, like you're up there for like you're Bob Frick and you're up there since nineteen thirty five. I'll take that. But yeah. uh, he probably won state because yeah, he was well. He's going against Fred Curley probably. So <laughs> uh, I don't see the the records up here anyway yeah which is weird for a school that was so recent there's national track records which i don't care about right now come on man if san ramon can keep them you guys should be able to keep them oh wait this might be it this is interesting for no one besides us that's fine that's why we do um, the show no this can't be right because this is yeah i don't know what the heck this is there's a lot of palavertes too out there yeah, that's true. We'll have to call Davis. Figure out what's going on. Right, yeah, just kind of get an idea. I mean, I live uh, 15 minutes away. Probably figure it out, too. Drive down there. Hey, guys, just want to check on that. Oh, my God, the records are so fast. <laughs> and I'm depressed again. Yeah, this this did not go well. 
I'm looking at... Oh, never mind. I'm going down a... Oh, this is a different palette. I was like, man, they're competing at schools I've never even heard of. I was like, wrong one. <laughs> All right. Next email. You ready? Yeah. This is Alex, who identifies himself as a former mediocre spinner. Nice. Hey, Jason, Kevin. I'm listening to your Half Marathon Champs preview episode. Jordan has, a, has of course, dropped out, but the U.S. still has a solid team. It strikes me that the team element keeps me interested in the race, despite all the annoying DNSs that dilute fields. I agree. I'm curious to see how the U.S. does in relation to the other countries, despite Hase dropping off, and whether Kenya's outlandish no alternate ta- no alternate tactics will backfire on their overall place. They did. Uh, that being the case, I wonder if there's a chance for a team 5K or 10K to capture my interest in the same way. If there are three runners from a single team or country, I would love to see how team tactics play out on the track. Do you guys think there's an appetite for this, or does it get too far away from the individual spirit of the sport, or is it just a stupid idea? Thanks. That is Alex. There are way stupid ideas that people have come up with for track. Including us. Yes, to get people interested. I would be... I'd be all about it. I don't see why not, especially on a non, non-championship non year. That would be kind of fun to see, like, a pure, like, if you think things are tactical now. Right. That's, <laughs> that's the only thing that I think would be the... Be kind uh, of funny, though. Yeah, like, would, would be the only downside of this is because, yeah, I think that would end, um, you know, you'd get a lot of, yeah, terrible kind of races. But, like, there could still be some uh, some good ones in there. I wonder how they do it too. Like Pharaoh, Great Britain, does he just go out and just okay? I'm gonna win and get the low stick. Or okay, there's a limit to how much you can help, I guess. So right. you just you just do your best to 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 get a quickest time as possible, or if you're doing it on place, just get the best place possible. That's why the roads are kind of cool because the roads have a tendency of making things less tactical than the than the track. But I, I would I would love to watch it. I'd love to see it. I'd I'd like a uh Ekiden, mm, Yeah. Ro- road relay or I'd like I'd like the world have to be every year where we can actually see, and hopefully get the best people every year and to get teams to not have members drop out all the time. That's just me. Yeah. No, I agree. And small update I just found Apparently, this there's this website, uh, athletic.net, that keeps high school <laughs> records for the past yes. 10 years. Oh, just the past 10 years? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, currently, still, there are some kids who've gone last year. Daniel Zeems uh, of okay. Colorado ran 419 okay. and 923. All right. So, he, he shattered both records. But I would be, I'd be fifth all time, and you would be, what, you run 1005? 10-10. 10-10. Fourth all time. Oh, that can't be right. I mean, for individual, you know, Zeems maybe broke them all 20 times, but... Uh, you think only four people in... When did we graduate? 16 years have run faster than 10-10? At least... Well, at least I mean, I'd like, to th- I'd like to think that. At least since 2007, only three guys have done it. Huh. Man, all right. Follow I'll need to do some investigating. That just would make me feel awesome. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back and give a speech as the fourth fastest person <laughs> to grace these halls. All right, we got two emails left. One from Francis, which we're gonna leave uh, for next time. He did the mascot Olympics here. And it's tremendous. Oh, I don't know if I saw this one. It's it's terrific. Uh, it's very long, very detailed. He goes event by event. 
Um, but we're not going to have time to get to that one just because of the delay. And also because Rich from Sacramento also has a long one. So I want to get to his right now. And then we can close out. And he writes in, I cannot tell you how excited I am to hear that Jason is going to vote. <laughs> uh, I was so happy when I read this. I'm a teacher, and one of the classes I teach is AP government. Shout out to AP Gov. So this is a big deal to me. Just to make sure that this happens, Jason, you haven't done so already, here's a link to the online voter registration system for Nevada. By the way, how do you guys pronounce this? I saw a bumper sticker that advocated for a particular pronunciation of Nevada. I also guess my question will be half answered by whomever reads this email. Nevada. Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. Not, Nev- not Nevada. Nev- it's, no. It's Oregon, not Oregon. It's anyway. Illinois, not Illinois. Are you gonna click? Are you gonna click this link, Jason? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is yeah the easiest way to do it. I mean, I was gonna Google it, but I guess this is even easier. <laughs> this is so tremendous. You guys don't know how it feels to be doing a podcast with one of your best friends for eight years, and then to get an email that starts off with someone sending him links to voter registration information. <laughs> All the times I've tried to get Jason to vote throughout the years, this is tremendous. Anyway. Last time I said my wife was aghast at Jason's now-in-the-past status as a non-voter. Oh, you get a sticker too, Jason. You're going to love it. Have you seen those stickers stickers. before? Okay. I've definitely seen those stickers before. And you got to rock it with pride and take a picture. (laughs) And since you told me to have her listen to the voting portion of the pod, she is now aghast that you entertain the idea that she could be a horrible person and leader supporter. I realize that this isn't the political gab fest and that you usually leave politics out of this, a welcome respite, but she thought this error was too egregious to go uncorrected. This made me realize... What I like so much about the pod, the House of Run is just like Let's Run, except for some key differences. One, it's a podcast. None of your takes are vaguely or explicitly racist. Its <laughs> listeners are not at all alleged millionaires. Not all the listeners have a 1535 KPR at 55 years old or a 243 marathon. Would have been 220, but insert excuse here. The hosts are not Ivy League <laughs> educated. Uh, there's not. There's a conspicuous absence of trolls on you root for caster Semenya. Uh, a few other spare notes. I also coached cross-country and track at my school and wanted to weigh in on training by ability versus gender. I think for smaller schools, it makes more sense for uh, to group by ability because there are only so many kids at the different talent levels, but larger schools don't have this problem. If you have a lot of runners of the same gender, they will be able to find a natural training partner and the groups will be able to form a more cohesive and distinct identity. Smaller schools that train in a mixed setting form an identity, but many times that group, the group time can be dominated by a few loud boys. If you ran in high school or even just went to high school, you know exactly what I mean. And finally, I hope other folks wrote in about this, but did I seriously hear Jason say he could break five minutes for the mile if he could run? <laughs> this claim is bonkers at best and straight up malpractice at worst. How many <laughs> high school boys within the U.S. who are 120 pounds run 35 miles a week, including a few workouts with their metabolism and their overdrive who could, still cannot break five minutes in the mile? A lot. See, he's like flipping that argument around on us to where we said, JV don't get much credit. How many decent high school runners uh, are now in their 30s who are no longer 120 pounds who run assiduously and with their metabolism screeching in reverse cannot break six minutes in the mile a lot more? <laughs> So I'm proposing that you organize a Jason Halpin Mile presented by the House of Run, but also presented by Flowtrack, and have us support our times to show Jason just how slow we all are. I mean, we can't all be the mega-rich 412 milers master division found on Let's Run forums. Yikes, this email got logged. Time for me to jet. Thanks for everything, guys. Richard Still from Sacramento. P.S. I looked up Order Slay's highlights, and they should be watched by anyone who feels they're not doing the best of their job. It's comforting. That's that's a great email, first of all. Um 
the good thing i so regarding the the mile thing um it's still yeah it's still probably crazy but i'm still gonna stand by it and i'm doubling down um i am basically the exact same height and weight that i was in high school um so i do not have that going against me i just have that my toe breaks when i play ultimate frisbee that should give you an indication on whether or not i'll be able to do it it's just my body i telling you i i still think i have the uh the ability you know that I, I could i could i could train and get there and you'll never we'll never know that's we'll never know. No, yeah we never will and you guys can all think i'm crazy and i actually prefer that that's more fun um but <laughs> i you know I, I still think i could do it i think it'd be rough i think people overrate their ability to maintain their oh unquestionably their old form so i would i would take the over but i would happily watch and i'm disappointed that we won't get to see it I know, me too. I, w- I would love nothing more than to talk about ju- talk about it a bunch, train like crazy, and then run like five forty, and just be like, "Wow, I was crazy wrong." Yeah, it's weird. So in high school, I had no speed at all. Jason can attest to this. Yes, this is true. But even in the two hundreds and the four hundreds at the end of the workouts, I would run times that, as thirty year old me or twenty eight year old me. I would be lucky to hit when I was at my best and feeling like super smooth. Yeah. And as a like gangly, uncoordinated, you know, awkward 16, well, I'm just an awkward three year old, but like awkward 16 year old, I was hitting. And that's just the power of age. Right. I, it was, it's really humbling to go like look through your old like training logs or look at some of your old times and look at what used to be easy and compare it to, cause it sneaks up on you. Like all of a sudden you just, you can't do it as much. And even when you think you're training harder and you're definitely training smarter cause you right. have all that experience and you know how to do things. And in, in many cases you're probably training more. I mean, you're training harder. You're dedicating more hours to it than you were before, but you're working harder to still go slower. And that's frustrating, and I'm upset that you won't be able to experience that. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, I know I could not run, like, anywhere close to, like, a 400, like I used to. Like, that kind of speed, I think, is gone for sure. Yeah. Um, which obviously will affect, you know, the, the mile still. Like, that's that's not uh, completely irrelevant to, to that. Um, but I, I think I think I would get close. Uh, that's, I'm going to stand by that. I mean, when I was, you know, a few years ago... Uh, when we were just doing the training for that half marathon, um, I was running pretty well there, and I was I was you know ripping off six thirties, which I know is not even close to five minutes, but for until my knee collapsed on me, um, I was <laughs> doing that for the first uh, seven or eight miles. So under six, I go that's that's without question. Like I have zero doubt about that, and I know there's a big uh, big gap between those two, but I still I'm still gonna hold on to that that thought in my head. I work with the. I might have told this too. Apologize if I did. I work with a guy who ran like a one forty seven. Mm-hmm. He's young and graduating twenty sixteen. So less than two years ago, he yeah. was running that for eight hundred, and he was more of a short distance person who like moved up to the eight as opposed to a longer distance person who went down. He hasn't been really running much at all the last whatever year, year and a half or something. And then he did a mile time trial and he ran five thirty five. And yeah, so that's, yeah, I mean, he'd have to obviously 
like if he trained for it, I'm sure he could still go sub five just because Jesus, if he was running that fast and, and yeah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy though. Like one, like one forty seven is like moving. Always, oh, yeah, always, oh, absolutely insane for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I could see how quickly, especially that kind of speed. Like if you're just well, certain people get out of shape quicker. That's true, and, I, and like I said, yeah. I'm sure if hey, if my knees were healthy tomorrow, and based on the amount of running I've done, like I would not do eight fifteen. Yeah, I'm gonna go just under eight, but I don't know. That might be pushing it. Man, I hate this conversation because it's I have sad. no way to prove you. I have no way to prove you wrong. That's also right. sad. All right, thanks to all the people who wrote in. Uh, we'll get to the missing email from Francis next week. People have to tune in for that one. Houseofrunningmail.com. Keep it locked until next week. Jess Gannis, I'm telling you, I can break five minutes in the mile. Now I gotta go ice my toe.